Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast with me, James Dixon, wishing you a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning in to today's podcast from. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2018 Event Technology Awards for the second year in a row. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. Uh, a very warm welcome to all of our podcast followers to today's show and to the um, first recording of 2019. This is the first episode that we're recording in the new year. So whenever you're tuning this, into this from a belated happy new year to all of our followers from the team at Event Industry News. And uh, on today's show, I'm delighted that we kick off with a nice big name to launch 2019. Um, joining the show today is Brian Ludwig. Brian is the Senior Vice President of Sales from Cvent, a company that I'm sure the vast majority of our podcast followers will be familiar with. Brian, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, James. Happy to be here. Now, your, your career is, is long and distinguished with Cvent. Um, you joined them in 2000, shortly after the company was founded, um, initially as, uh, as one of the top contributing sales reps, um, rose through the ranks over the years, senior vice president of sales. Um, and as I understand it, you're now overseeing Cvent's um, worldwide sales of the, the flagship um, event management solutions division. Um, tell us a little bit about some of those early days, um, looking back at Cvent uh, in the early 2000s. And, and what it was as a, as a fledgling tech startup. Yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy time. I joined the company when we had about 30, 40 people. We hadn't figured out really what our product was, uh, how to go to market, um, the territories and, and, and our, our methodology to, to convey our, our value proposition into the marketplace. We were figuring it all out. We grew pretty quickly after I started up to about 125 people. But then the dot-com bubble busted and we uh, just had a couple million dollars in revenue and we had a downsize significantly from 125 people down to 70. We had another round of layoffs down to 40. Then there was natural attrition because it wasn't a very fun place to work at that time because of mm -hmm. all the, the challenges. We ended up getting down to about 24 people in, uh, in late 2002. Um, and we really almost lost the company, but then we buckled down and we uh, rolled up our sleeves and, uh, figured out a way and slowly 24 became 30, 35, 40. And then in 2005, I'd say we started more of a hyper growth mode again. And now we're up to, uh, you know, 3,800 employees. So it's been a, it's been a roller coaster for sure. Um, but, but in the end, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think we learned a lot of really valuable uh, lessons early on around, you know, what, what, what do you need to do to, to, to bring on, customers to 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 give them a product that solves a problem and then to give them exceptional service so they stay with you so i think a lot of uh a lot of growing pains have led to uh to, to the path we've taken sure and 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 you know it, it's it's long been said that people learn from their mistakes you know you only get better by by making mistakes learning from those and then moving forward and um and you're on the podcast today to to talk about some of the the future uh trends and, and the future uh opportunities in, in in the event technology industry from from your perspective as a company that have been around for 19 years now and um just referencing the point that you made there where in sort of 2005 2006 having had those sort of tough few years is you've then experienced a period of, of hyper growth. When we look then at you guys being in a position to look at what may happen in future, presumably back then, 
you were able to confidently look at the marketplace, look at the product offering that you were able to bring to market and say, look, this is the right time to expand because we really are confident that there's a future market for this. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Uh, you know, we were a one trick pony in the old days. We really handled the event website, marketing of an event and registration. So most people think about Cvent as an event registration company. As time evolved and we saw a need in the marketplace for a broader solution, we added on strategic meetings management and budget management. We added on a the Cvent supplier network, which is a venue sourcing solution to find venues across the world and, and contract with those uh, hoteliers and partners. We then added on survey and analytics tools. We added on mobile apps, added on on-site technology with RFID and, and beacons and, and things of that nature. So we've morphed over time. There are a lot of bright, shiny objects in the marketplace. And I think part of the challenge is to decide when is the right time? When is the market ready? versus when is it really just a fervor or an excitement over, over a concept that may be able to bring value. So we're always struggling with that. There's a lot of really cool concepts that mm. we're probably going to invest in over the next you know, two to five years. And we won't invest in every single bright, shiny object that, that, that's out there. So it really becomes a matter of deciding which do we think the market is ready for and yes. what is the right time to, to bring that to the fold. And, and most importantly, how do we connect it with the broader platform that we've built? Sure. Um, because our thesis is like, look, we want people to be able to use any one component of what we offer, but if someone does have a need to sort of handle cradle to grave event tech from start to finish, could they leverage one platform that's got the right integrations and connectivity across the board so that it's easier for both the organizer of the event, but maybe even more importantly, so that it fosters a really uh, engaging and fluid process for the attendee. Mm. I've um, I've seen certainly in the last two to four years. Um, many, many different tech companies, startups, um, you know, uh, companies who have established themselves to an extent within the marketplace. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is that you will occasionally get companies who have tried to uh, attack several different vertical strands of the event tech offering and, and offer many sort of different products under one umbrella and not do that very well. The flip side to that is I've seen some fantastic startups who've come to market with a really, really, really niche specific solution to a specific problem. And their um, approach to things has been to approach one particular area and do it really, really well. How difficult has it been for a company like Cvent to, to branch out and go into all of these other strands that you said you expanded into without risking doing any of those badly? And have there ever been uh, scenarios where some of those new strands haven't worked out and you've had to maybe take them off the table and go back to the drawing board? Yeah, it's a great question, James. I think um, it is possible to not handle a strand, as you say, uh, well. And uh, I'll give you an example when it didn't work out. We, uh, and, and listen, some of these strands could be either you know, in-house production, and you build it yourself organically from the ground up or you acquire it. We acquired um, a mobile app company and a ticketing company that was more in the consumer space. So uh, festivals, fairs, uh, music events, concerts, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's kind of like not even a first cousin to what we do, maybe it's a third cousin. And invariably it was a tough space for us 
And uh, several years into that, we decided to dissolve that business and, and sell it off, frankly. So that was an example of, of somewhere we went that didn't make the, the most sense for us. And we wanted to double down on business events and what are the types of things that organizers and, and businesses and for-profit, not-for-profit businesses need to do um, to pull off and execute world-class events and engage with their attendee base. So we, we got rid of that business and focused on our core. And that focus was both organically built up and acquired. And um, I think you're right. You can do it wrong, but we've got about 1,100 people in our tech team. Mm -hmm. So we have full pockets of 80 people over here and 200 people over there and 75 people over there that are working on very specific um, solutions that, again, work cohesively in the broader ecosystem, but also work on their own. And that tech team is generally bigger than what any distinct single-strand company yeah. can deploy against it. So I think we have the, the uh, bright people and we put enough muscle and enough energy and thought and commitment to that product line, but at the same time thinking about how is it going to work with the rest of the system, which we think is super important, especially in a GDPR world, you know, exporting data from system one or bringing it into data, system number two, and then there's flat files of data sitting somewhere in between. If someone was to say, hey, forget my data, which is a requirement of GDPR, it's almost impossible to do that if you're not using an integrated platform because there's going to be data left behind that can't be purged on a whim um, if data is being moved in and out of different disparate systems. So that's one key thing that I'm thinking about, but really more for the uh, organizer and the attendee, just to have fluid, uh, personalized experience throughout. We think it's important that they're connected. Sure. Um, but you're right. You could potentially, and I have seen this out there, build adjunct modules just so that you can check a box and you have the module and can claim a complete and comprehensive platform but that module is shallow and it was really more about being able to check a box in an rfp process yeah but it won't really solve the pain that the organizer was looking to solve sure and when we when we turn this all um to the to the future of event tech and, and how this is going to move forward you raise a very very good point there about gdpr and data compliance um it varies from territory to territory but in general i think globally we're all moving towards uh this compliant nature where there is so much data out there consumers demand that it's being kept in a, a sensible manner and in a manner that doesn't doesn't do any harm or disservice to their own personal data um and, and looking at how cross-platform integration has worked with event technology in the last few years where, you know, companies will go to, company A will go to company B and say, look, we both do something that could complement each other's service. Why don't we develop an API or why don't we do something where we can integrate each other's services? But then that cross-platform integration can often raise question marks over how that data is shared, how it's managed from one place to another. Do you think that as a, as a result, and having gone through this process yourself, we'll start to see bigger companies acquiring little companies rather than these partnerships forming. Is that perhaps one route that we could see cropping up in the next two to three years? I think we're going to see a bit of both. I mean, we already have, right? There's been some small um, acquisitions of companies and then there's larger ones, right? So, you know, Vista owned Lanyon, which was a roll up of 10 different event tech companies at minimum. They bought us, had us, take over Langan and bring that together. So now all of a sudden, Cvent is sort of, you know, a whole bunch of different companies put together. But if, again, always with the mindset of how, what, what technology stack wins and how does it integrate with each other. Um, but look, at the end of the day, I think core functionality 
like mobile apps and check-in and marketing and registration and, and venue sourcing. These things, I believe, need to be a part of a platform for some sexier, interesting, newer age technology that you want to connect to. It, it may make sense to leverage APIs and integration components to, to bring in some of those, those capabilities into someone's event tech stack. So I think we're going to live in a world where both are needed, sort of a broad platform that handles maybe 80 to 95% of the core needs, mm-hmm. but then around the edges to leverage integrations in a smart way and in a compliant way so that we're not, you know, non-GDPR compliant. Um, we're talking today on the podcast to Brian Ludwig. Brian is the Senior Vice President for Sales uh, from Cvent, joining the podcast today from their base in Washington, D.C., over in the United States. Um, Part of your, your job role, Brian, undoubtedly must be traveling globally. Cvent is a global organization. You, you have um, offices all over the world and are serving event clients all over the world. So part of your role, um, it must be to travel. And I would imagine that you see many, many different trends in many, many different sectors and territories as you go around the world. Um, how are we now as a, as, a, as a sector globally on maintaining some continuity with our event tech or are there places that you go that are still maybe two three years behind where other territories are and how quickly are they catching up if that's the case yeah there's definitely a uh, different level of tech adoption across the world and you're right i do travel the world um you know i it's going to sound very uh american for me to say it but i do think uh here in the states um that you know we're at the forefront um, Europe is, is catching up. So if Europe, maybe, maybe two to three years back, I would have said Europe is four to five years behind, mm-hmm. but I think they're now just a couple years behind, maybe two years behind. Um, and you know, we have a big operation in London. We have an office in Germany. Um, we do a big, uh, Cvent connect conference. We're going to have a thousand people. In fact, more than a thousand people next year in October in, uh, in London. And as I speak to organizers there, it's amazing how fast they are now starting to uh, embrace all the different things that we're seeing become more commonplace as far as event tech goes in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, I do travel to APAC. They are a good five to six years behind. Right. Um, We're still convincing people there about online registration. (laughs) In the United States, that's not even a debate. Uh, In the U.K., uh, in Europe, for the most part, that's not even a debate. And there, the debate is more around mobility, around check-in, around other aspects. Um, but um, it's catching up. Uh, it, it is interesting. I'll tell you, we do we do luncheons in South Africa. We do luncheons in uh, Dubai and in Delhi and in um, in Singapore and Hong Kong and Melbourne and, and and Auckland, New Zealand. I mean, we're all over the world, and people have a thirst for this. We'll get. 30 to 50 people to join us for lunch every day of a, of a five day series in mm-hmm. Australia, as an example. Um, so they're all eager to learn and they all want to understand what's out there and they want to get their arms around the tech and they want to be ready to pounce on technology when it's right for their business. There's just a, a slightly greater reticence to, to doing that. Sure. But the, the desire to be educated is there. Um, and we're seeing more and more companies adopt. So our footprint across the world is increasing, which is a good sign. 
uh, as uh, going back to this, this, this very much reinforcing the fact that you are, I don't want to bash on about it, but a global organization and it's, and it's um, a great position for me to be in, to speak to a guest who has a genuine, you know, uh, a, a overview of, of how the sector is working globally. Um, when we look at adoption and convincing people or, or showing people the benefits of utilizing certain types of event technology, I know that in certain Asian territories, business cards are still really, really well thought of. And it's a cultural thing. It's, it's a sign of respect. It's almost like the handshake or the courtesy bow in, some, in Japan is that you will exchange a business card with somebody as a mark of respect. Um, and them giving you the business card is, a, is an invitation for you to, to engage them and talk to them. When you have those sort of cultural um, protocols that you have to accept as well, how difficult is it then to, to make sure that you're not, offending people or trying to upset long-term cultural protocols when they're when trying to convince them to adopt these new technological approaches it's a great question and you're right in uh in apac not only do you hand a business card you hand it with 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 two hands right mm -hmm. and it's a it's a disrespectful move to to hand a card with one hand as an example and i learned that the hard way my first trip <laughs> to uh, my first trip to hong kong but um I think I think it's a balancing act. You know, you need to you need to embrace culture and 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 the way things are, but at the same time, that doesn't mean technology can't help. It's kind of like in the um, with our supplier network, people will turn and say, "I don't want to lose that personal relationship that I have with a hotel." So if I send a digital RFP to a hotelier for them to respond to me, we're going to lose that business relationship side of it. And we're not suggesting that at all. Mm -hmm. We're saying, hey, the RFP will help you get your requirements of your meeting to that hotelier so they can review it and respond to it. But there's nothing stopping. And we would like to facilitate conversations and dialogue and that relationship between both sides. Or even our lead capture technology. We've built in because we understand that uh, European and, and APAC markets are still going to be very business card centric we've built in business card scanning as a part of the lead capture uh, process. So I could get a business card, have that conversation at a booth or a sponsorship area of an event, just like I would. However, when they walk away, great, I can scan the card. Mm -hmm. It will transcribe the name, title, uh, location, phone number, et cetera. And then one can take all the notes so that it will still flow back into a CRM or a marketing automation system so sure. that business can have fast follow-up with those leads. So that's what I would call kind of marrying existing process of using a business card but still leveraging tech so that we're not scribbling on the back of the card and then going back to the office with physical cards and then hoping that they will magically show up in the hands of sales or marketing for fast follow-up because that we know fails it does so leverage a business card but tech on the back side of that so that there can be fast follow-up and sponsors can realize the roi of attending that event in the first place Absolutely. And, and I think just, just to, to sort of go back and reference something from many years ago, I remember clearing out my desk when I left a company uh, probably 10 years ago and having been to a number of trade shows and events. I remember opening the bottom drawer of a desk and just finding boxes of business cards that I've accumulated over the years, you know, and, um, and it's very rare now, certainly in the UK, that I get given a business card or that I hand a business card out. If somebody wants my contact details, I go straight on my phone and I share my digital contact straight to their number and they have all of my information, you know, and then there's no paper being exchanged. You know, that person's got the contact details. From a data point of view, we know that if you can get registrations 
digitally that allows you to follow up quickly. That's why people have scanning systems and capture systems on their stands nowadays. But um, it, it, it was interesting. And I was keen to ask that, that particular question about the, the, how you cope with different territories, because it's important that you are adapting the base product that you guys have and making sure that it stays relevant and that you're working within the particular protocols of any given territory. Yeah. That's spot on. And that's just one example, but there's so many nuances to different markets. Of course, there's language requirements. So we have, you know, 18 uh, languages on the back end for planners to use maybe 25 on the attendee side, but that's, that's the simple stuff. There's nuances like the way taxes are handled, you know, inclusive or exclusive, mm -hmm. um, the way hotel reservations are booked in, in the, the U S versus Europe versus APAC. There's all sorts of nuances and, uh, it's difficult, but, but with having feet on the ground in different markets and, and getting a larger, more substantial customer base in each of those markets, we're hearing them loud and clear. And we have mechanisms, a customer mm -hmm. listening system for them to give us this feedback and we're continuing to evolve. It's not perfect, but um, we're proud of the way that we've sort of evolved and, and can, can, can deliver distinct uh, capabilities for each marketplace. Sure. Um, on the subject of connectivity, um, this will be something that plays a huge part in your own operations. Um, I'm starting to see every week there's, there's a, a new story or rumblings of new 5G technology and the, the mobile networks in, in the UK and Europe um, and, and co uh, companies being able to bid for some of these new 5G networks when they eventually come into play. Um, given the size of your operation and given its reliance on connectivity and the mobile app side of things and websites um are, are you having to sort of keep a very very close eye on developing um networking technologies and uh, internet technologies and mobile connectivity technologies to make sure that your own systems are compatible because sometimes you might need to be working i don't know two three four five years in advance of, of when these technologies are coming out yeah, good question. Uh, you know, regarding 5G, we're very excited about it. Uh, you know, most people are saying it's going to be 10 to 20 times faster. Like, literally think about that. 10 to 25 times faster than 4G. Um, you know, the need to pay an inordinate amount of money to venues to have internet connectivity will one day be gone. And obviously, organizers will celebrate. Um, they'll probably figure <laughs> yeah. out another way. They'll probably figure out another way to get yeah. that that revenue yeah. back. But they'll just lock the toilets and charge you two million dollars to use them. Right. That's right. Or or triple the cost of coffee. Um, but in any case, um, we don't need to change the way our tools work to to re to take advantage of five G. We're excited about it because today we build native apps uh, on Android and iOS for um, attendees and sponsors and exhibitors and speakers to collaborate with each other and you know, building that in a, in a native environment we have found is, is the best way to do it, but it's expensive because we build for native, we build, you know, iOS and Android, and we build a web-based version. As internet gets better and as, you know, uh, HTML5 gets better, maybe there will be a need one, there won't be a need for us to develop the same app three different ways, which makes it three times as expensive for us. Mm -hmm. And it, and, and, and it, and it cycles us down with all of this, tech debt, if you will, and we're not able to move as fast with innovation because we always have to develop the same thing three times. So I think with internet becoming faster and with HTML5 getting better, there may be a day where native, the native concept goes away and app stores having millions and millions of apps goes away and maybe everyone relies on the web 
and the fast internet to create that great engaging experience that everyone needs. Today, we're still gonna invest in H2, excuse me, in nat native apps, both for check-in, both for lead capture, and for an attendee experience. We have lots of different types of apps that are native, but one day that may change. And I think, you know, 5G is gonna be a big part of the reason. Sure. And the way I know you mentioned talking about an engaging experience, and that's a really sort of key word that always jumps out at me when we talk about engagement and engaging experiences at events. Um, when mobile apps first uh, reared themselves to the to the event market and event organizers start saying, oh, great, we can have an app, you know, which was in the early days, fundamentally just their website in an app, you know, it wasn't really offering anything different. We're now seeing apps really play a huge part in the engagement process, aren't we, with, with, uh, with events. You go to um, a convention, you sit in a conference session or a keynote session, you can follow the questions being posed through the app to that speaker. You know, you can interact and see your question coming up on a screen. You can follow their PowerPoint presentation via your own phone if you can't see the, the main screen that it's being delivered on. There's all sorts of ways that we can integrate what's being delivered to us from a speaker and how we're engaging with that on our own devices now. And um, I'm just keen to know how, how much of a focus that plays for Cvent in terms of the, developing all of, its, all of its offerings to make sure that that engagement side of things and what the customer experiences and what their audiences experience continually stay at the forefront. Yeah, it's a fantastic question. We, we care about it deeply to answer the question. Um, we look at a mobile app as solving two I think it solves the two main reasons people go to an event, right? People go to an event because they either one, want education and content, mm -hmm. or two, they want an engaging experience. They want to network. They want to meet other people. They want to collaborate. So it's kind of that innate human desire to connect with people and that desire to learn. And we think a mobile app needs to do both. And what you often see is a mobile app that's either really great on content. So it's, it'll have a schedule, it'll have floor maps, it'll have a sponsor list, it'll have an exhibitor list, great. And then you might see some other apps that might have really interesting and cool engagement tools like Q&A and polling and surveying and an activity feed and um, all of those things that you were mentioning. And games, um, we, we desire and endeavor to build an app that marries both of those because you really do yeah. need both to pull it off. Um, today, there's really cool stuff um, like polls, like, uh, like, like games that are uh, based on activities that people are doing and, and scanning of QR codes and where they are. You can leverage RFID and beacons and all sorts of things to award points and get people engaged with each other. We think there's an opportunity in the future, there's gonna be even more engagement. You know, um, chatbots are getting a lot of uh, notoriety that's certainly not commonplace inside of an event app today. But, you know, for, for more of a dynamic, you know, um, machine learning uh, AI experience where you can ask natural questions and get details that you need, um, that's going to become more and more prevalent, um, more and more reliance on facial technology we think is going to come mm. both for sentiment, how is the room feeling around yep. this speech, for checking in, for faster movement throughout the event, for proffering up personal info and insights and connections that are relevant to me as I meander the show floor and giving me that experience, we'll be able to uh, leverage uh, different tech for that. You're going to see more and more, um, you know, uh, augmented reality built into apps. Yeah. As I stand on a show floor and sort of hover my phone or Google glasses over a, an exhibit area or a speaking session, I get relevant 
information and maps and details around speakers and relevancy to me that will show up in an AR um, view uh, above above the real world. Sure. So there's yeah. all sorts of ways engagement is going to change. I think we're in a good spot today, and I think we're seeing more and more people embrace tools that foster engagement within an app or within event tech in general. But there's so many cool things that I think are going to happen over the next two to five years. And, and of course, just going back to what you mentioned about things like HTML5, as that develops, it may allow you to, to design one app that then is, is relevant to uh, Android and iOS and, 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 and web-based platforms. Um, but of course, as well, as this technology develops and as the programming improves and becomes easier, um, it, it, we, we are rapidly moving away from what we first saw with apps, which was this very static nature of them. That was the content on there. And it wasn't going to change even in the duration of a two or three day show just because the programming was so difficult. We're now really at a stage where they are completely interactive, um, movable feasts of content where they can be programmed to adapt themselves, to push notifications, to do all sorts of wonderful things as the show is happening and, and even as, as, as sessions are being delivered. And, and that's also the beauty about the development of the programming side of things, isn't it? Is that we can, we can get away from this static nature of them. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, uh, you know, engagement tools are becoming more and more common, but I'll tell you what's not common, having the app um, content and what's available inside of the app and what's featured be different before versus during versus after an event. Mm -hmm. So sure, there might be activity feeds and um, ways for people to collaborate. But what we're thinking about here at Cvent, and we have a tool named Crowd Compass as our mobile app, we're fast developing this and it's going to come out pretty soon, um, a differentiated experience and what is featured and what is available in the app before, during, and after as a default. Um, and then, of course, there could be slight tweaks that the organizer might want to make for their environment. But as a default, presenting the things that are going to be most relevant and useful based on timing, which no one's really doing today. Sure. Um, we've, we've come to the end of today's uh, episode of the podcast, but it's been, it's been fascinating. And, and occasionally I get to the end of episodes where I think this could go on for easily another 30 minutes, potentially even longer. Um, it's been great to welcome Brian Ludwig from Cvent to the show today. Brian is the Senior Vice President of Sales and has been with Cvent since their very early days back in 2000. So has really seen the development of the company to where it is today. And we should also highlight while we've got you on the show today, Brian, that uh, of course, CEO and, and founder of Cvent, Reggie Agarwal, was uh, awarded, I think it was the Special Recognition Award uh, at the 2018 Event Technology Awards just a couple of months ago for yeah. his contribution to the event te uh, technology industry. So we should say, while we've got you on the show today and, and, and it's a C-Event show, then uh, we should say a big congratulations to, uh, to Reggie on, on being awarded that particular award. I will let him know. Thank you. We were very proud of that. Absolutely. Um, the podcast is brought to you by our own sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2018 Event Tech Awards for the second year in a row. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. And before we wrap up today's episode, um, very quickly, Brian, I'm sure people can find you very, very easily uh, on the internet, but just um, give us the, the, the C-Event website if people do want to track you guys down and find out a little bit more about you in detail. Very good. That's uh, www.cvent.com. Perfect. Thanks very much for joining us on the show today, Brian. My name's James Dixon, and we'll see you all on the next edition of the Event Industry News Podcast. Thanks very much, and goodbye to you. Thank you, James. Thank you.